You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. There are many powerful stories in all of us. Three of the most powerful are these. The I want story, the I should story, and the I must story. They are often at war, and when they are, you are on the front lines of a life and death battle. How you fight that war and the story or stories that you align with during battle will determine who you become. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. We're fortunate that our host, Audible, is enriching lives. They are offering you, our storytellers, a free audiobook download of your choice, plus a one-month free trial of all of Audible service, and you get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and take advantage of this wonderful gift. Remember that this show is enriched by our dialogue with you. So keep your comments and inspired thoughts coming. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. Today's guest is a woman who fought the war of her different stories courageously and won. She worked successfully for 10 years as a high-tech and biotech business consultant in California. She also expanded her work internationally for several years and loved the challenge of exploring and understanding the different cultures of the countries where she worked. Her life adventure was forced into a dramatic shift when her dominant stories became, I should and I must. I am thrilled and honored to introduce Ruth Ruth Ullman to our show. Ruth, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Louis, thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for being here to enrich our listeners. Where were you born, Ruth? I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. And can you describe your family, early family life? Um, my family was small. 
My parents both were born in Romania, took uh, um, after World War II or at the end. I think my mom was 15, my dad was probably 17, 18, something like that. That each of their part of their families moved to Austria and they separately lived in refugee camps until they met and married some years later. They were both escaping communism, taking over their countries. So about 10 years after that, they moved to the U.S. And I was the oldest living child. They had another one before me. She didn't make it. She, she died in Austria. And I have a younger sister. And my grandparents, my mother's parents, were already in the U.S. So they were sponsors. And that was my family. I have an aunt and uncle that lived here as well. My grandparents sponsored them. They were my dad's brother. And it was a really small group of people. It's a very, very powerful, um, um, I mean, as you're, as you're telling it, I can, I can see it like, like it's, um, a movie. You know, I mean, there's a lot of intense emotional drama going on there, you know, because your parents basically were faced with life and death survival, you know. Yeah. Ruth, what what did your parents do? What kind of work did they do? Uh, my dad was a welder and became a supervisor. My mom was a tailor. A tailor. It's a skill. I, I don't have it. <laughs> uh, I didn't develop those skills either. And they are wonderful <laughs> skills. Now. Did you have a child's dream of what you wanted to be as a grown-up? Yeah, I wanted to have my own business. I suspected it would be helping people, but I didn't know what. And I spent most of my education figuring out what are the classes that I need that will help me run my own business. Well, how old were you when you first had that thought? I mean, because, I mean, as a young kid, I know that I certainly didn't walk around thinking, oh, I'd like to have this kind of business. I didn't, business wasn't even part of the equation for me. I bet I was seven to ten years old. Wow. Where do you think that came from? I have no idea. Neither of my parents worked for themselves. My uncle was a barber, but I didn't really see that as a lucrative or interesting business. <laughs> so, I don't know where that came from. Now, who would you say influenced you the most when you were growing up? My mom. And why is that? Because I heard when you said that, you said it with tremendous tenderness and affection. She was good at pushing and not letting all the things that people say get into your head. So she's... Both of my parents used to say, make up your own mind. Evaluate a situation yourself. Don't believe what other people, don't take what other people's opinions are as fact. Figure it out yourself. I probably took that to the extreme. <laughs> no, but, listen, it's, it's good advice. But that is what she always used to say. Try it. If you, if, real, if you really don't like it, then don't do it. But at least try it. You know, those are the seeds of the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, are you familiar with um, a motivational speaker named Les Brown? No. You'd love him. Look him up on YouTube. He's very, very inspirational. And his story is very touching. Uh, he was, for some reason, he was labeled as a kid mentally retarded. Oh. And, and, I mean... He was not. I mean, you meet the man today. He's right. one of the world's greatest motivational speakers. But he was in school, and a teacher said to him, son, come up, and I want you to write something on the board. And he said, I can't, sir. He says, why? It's because I'm the dumb brother. He said, what would you say? Yeah. I'm the dumb brother. And the kids in the class were laughing. And they said, yeah, he's right. He's, he's, he's the dumb brother. He said, no, no, no. You, you kids stop talking. You come here, son. He looked at him and he said, don't ever let someone else's opinion of you become your opinion of yourself. That comment was a turning point in his life. That's a good lesson. Isn't it? So you got a great lesson from your parents. Yeah. Now, how did you eventually become a business consultant and coach? By accident. <laughs> well, I don't believe there are any accidents. But so tell us about this 
so-called accident. <laughs> so I finished my undergraduate degree at night. I was working in a hospital as an administrative assistant or a supervisor. I had lots of different roles. And I had fun doing that kind of work, but I knew I was stuck if I stayed here and I couldn't get out of that that mindset that people put me in when you put that on your resume. So I, a friend of mine got divorced. She was moving and she knew I wanted to move and she kept saying, you know, we're moving here, we're moving there. And I kept, and I would say, I'll come visit. And she said, we're, we're going to move to the Bay Area. I said, I'll be right behind you. So that's how I wound up in California. And by luck, I interviewed for a job as an administrative assistant with a company that was a startup. I didn't realize at the time that it was the hottest startup in Silicon Valley and that this was a huge gift. So I worked with um, the controller for uh, about six months and they uh, accused me of taking over the division. <laughs> Quietly and effectively, he, he said one day at a staff meeting, when did I become a mere figurehead? And everyone in the room pointed at me and said, when you hired her. <laughs> so we had a good relationship. He said, what, you know, you've been here six months. In a year, you'll probably want to go somewhere else. What do you want to do? I told them I wanted to move into human resources. And he said, don't do it. They're all bubbleheads. And you won't like it. And I, I told him what my plan was, that this would give me access to executives, how they made decisions, how they grew their business. And I could be, I would learn a lot in that role, but I could also contribute a lot. At that point, I didn't realize that the business skills I had would help the, the groups, the executive groups that I worked with, look at their businesses differently. So a couple of meetings in, I was in a meeting with, with one, one of the executive teams that I worked with, and they were working on a project. And I asked if I could ask a few questions so that I could catch up. And I asked three or four questions. These were all men. They were a good 20 years older than me and had been in this industry for most of their lives. They were considered the cream of the crop. They all stared at me like deer in headlights. And no one said a word. And the meeting ended and we left. And I thought, okay, I either ask questions that they hadn't thought of and that, that will change everything, or I ask the stupidest questions on earth and they won't invite me back. Well, I kept getting invited back. And after about a year, they started saying, ask your questions. Two years later, I went to lunch with, with the leader of the group that I had originally asked those questions to. And he said, you know, it just annoyed me to no end that you, a person in human resources that generally know nothing, <laughs> asked questions that I should have asked and we were going to, down the wrong path. Mm. And it wasn't that they were not smart people, but when, it's, when the work is too close, it's hard to take a big step backwards and look at it from a much broader perspective. Mm. And I always look at things that way. So that was missing in that group. And as, and that started my, my role as a, an internal business consultant. I love it. And, you know, and kudos to him that he had the humility to, you know, uh, put his ego aside and acknowledge your contribution. And also what you just described is exactly what defines an entrepreneur, that an entrepreneur is an individual who finds problems that really are crying for solutions and then solves them for people. And that's what you did. Yeah. And uh, that is just, just wonderful. It's almost textbook entrepreneur, entrepreneurial thinking. Love it. So what would you say are the biggest challenges to building your success over a 20-year period? Often getting out of my own way. Oh, welcome to the club. Isn't, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what we're all hoping, yeah. hoping to do? That's an interesting expression. Everyone has heard it. How would you describe that? Like, say, oh, this is what it means. How do you get in your own way and how do you get out of your own way? 
I, I set in my mind that these are the things that needed to be put into place in order for business to work. And it's really exactly the opposite. You really don't need a fancy business plan. You don't need, I didn't need a, a whole lot of funding. I didn't need a big team of people. I didn't need a team of people at all. You, mm. you start small. You help a few people. You you figure out marketing that works for you. Often the experts are way past where you are and tell you to do much bigger things that you're not ready for yet. So I tripped up on that um, more in this business than I did in the first business that I had. I had a good formula. I screwed it up myself. <laughs> yeah, you had a good formula. And then something in you said, gee, if it's good, when, what happens if I tweak it yeah. like this and tweak it like that when, yeah. you know, the whole thing is, if it ain't broke, don't yeah, fix exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think Richard Branson has a different expression. Uh, if it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, that's, that's definitely what I did, but not in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> now, what happened in your life that brought you to a very difficult decision? When my parent, I, the business that I had was business, business consulting and executive search. And that was growing for about 20 years by itself. Uh, I didn't do much advertising. Word of mouth was working just fine. And at the same time, I was taking care of my aging parents. There came a point where I had to decide, do I keep the business or do I help my parents? I d decided to help my parents. There was really nobody else that could take on the roles that I took. And I couldn't disappoint my clients. They had business issues that needed to be resolved. They couldn't wait. I didn't want them to wait. And I couldn't give them less than my best. So I took less and less business and took took on the care of my parents. And I want to be clear that taking on the care of my parents wasn't the day-to-day -day feeding, toileting, that kind of activity. I hired home care to do that. It was keeping the wheels on the bus. It was keeping your house going. It was being the health care advocate. It was taking care of their finances and the legal issues dealing with the insurance company. It's things that people think, and I did this too, that it wouldn't take very long. But when you're dealing with those health and legal and insurance issues, you don't do that just once because that, I don't know, people don't seem to know what they're doing anymore or they just don't do their jobs right. But everything took three or four times to get it accomplished. Mm. And those three or four times, each one of those was an hour or two on the phone dealing with people saying to an insurance company, I sent you the power of attorney yesterday. I faxed it to the number you gave me. Oh, well, that has to go into a system, and then I get it in two weeks. Well, I need an answer today. <laughs> so this kind of nonsense goes on, and you, you think you're losing your mind. So you wind up learning how all these different industries work or different companies work so that you can by step the people that will put you through these hurdles so that you can get an answer quicker it, it was a it was a long road and giving up my business was a very difficult decision now how long did this go on i took care of my parents for 14 years seven. Ooh, wow after seven i gave up my business and oh you gave up your last, business altogether? Yeah. The last seven were brutal. Both of them were sick at the same time. Like what what were they suffering from? Um, complications of diabetes. Oh my god. So when you gave up your business, did you sell it? No. We just kind of slowly died. Oh boy. And then did it eventually take a toll on your health? Oh yeah. It was, I was, by the time my dad, my mother died first, my dad died 10 months later. By the time, the last few years, I was in really bad shape. And it probably took me four years to feel really good again. And during those four years, I had most, 
I had part of the day where I felt pretty good. So I used that time to interview people that supported elder care from across the country. So from a legal perspective, from a financial perspective, from doctors and nurses. I interviewed home care executives, uh, assisted living, nursing home, and rehabilitation specialists. I wanted to know what they knew about their industry. I wanted to know what people like me, what mistakes we make, how we, how we can do that better. The, the strange thing is, I didn't know any of these people when I started, but I didn't want anybody else to have to give up their business and make the choice that I did because I knew there was an easier way. And if I understood the elder care system, I knew the consulting part, but I needed to understand the elder care system so I could give them better advice. I got the interviews that people accepted were from all over the country. They, Some of them were high-powered attorneys that blew my mind that they would give me an hour or so of their time, and they didn't know me, didn't charge me. I was shocked. They were kind, candid. They gave me information that is really worth more than I can tell you. It helped me put together a process that anybody can go through. It's online. That One is six weeks long. One is just if you're going to make a decision on home care, what do you really need to know? What are the questions you need to ask? How does that industry work so that you're ready before they give you the sales pitch? Mm. I, I was incredibly grateful, and it was a lot of fun talking to these people. You know, I mean, that kind of story, they're the makings of a film in there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, 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 think, you think of stuff like Silkwood or, you know, Erin um, yeah. Brockovich, where she exposes an industry. I mean, that's you've got material like that. Well, I am working on a book next year. Oh, good. So maybe, maybe something will come of it. So who's going to play you in the movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about, how about Meryl Streep? Is that okay? Somebody with a good sense of humor. <laughs> to get through elder care and to have two parents at the same time. And other people have not only their own parents, but their in-laws going through this at the same time. So you, you have to hang on to your sense of humor with both hands. Meryl Streep can definitely deliver that. And you definitely have a story worth telling. Ruth, what was the lowest point in your journey? It had to be after my mom died and as I was taking on the sole care of my dad. I knew he was going to go downhill very quickly. And he was a challenging person for me to work with. And I felt really bad by then. And I, in the, in the first few months after my mom died, we were in the emergency room at least once a week. And the doctors told us then that Men his age, from his generation, usually go quickly after their wives die because they are so dependent. But modern men are way more independent, and that doesn't happen to them. I found that interesting, but not really comforting, considering the situation I was in. How, how old was he? He was, When he died, he was 87. So he was pretty angry after that and even more difficult to deal with. No. What was your self-talk, if you can remember, like at that time? Let's just get through the day. Mm. I didn't look much further ahead. <laughs> just Let's just get through the day. And after both parents were gone, what motivated your comeback? There were a couple of things going on those last few years. I, my best friend was also dealing with uh, her mother had Alzheimer's. We were, I could see us all recreating the wheel. And I thought, this is ridiculous. There is an answer. I have the skills to find it. When this is over, that's what I'm going to do. And right after my dad died, I was really sick. And it's like, I, and I have to figure out what's, how to resolve my health issue. And if I keep going to the regular traditional doctor, I'm going to get the same answer. Here's 14 prescriptions. Let me know how they work. And I thought, that's not the answer. <laughs> That's a solution to a symptom, and it doesn't tell me what, what the end, what the underlying issues are. 
So I spent a few months reading everything I could on how to get healthy. And I came across Mark Hyman's book. And I can't remember the name of it. But he said, try giving up this kind of food. It was wheat, um, grains, dairy, uh, sugar. Do it for six weeks. See what happens. And in two weeks, I felt much better. And I dropped some of the, the prescriptions I was on. I said, okay, I'm on to something, but I can't do this alone. And he had a way to find a functional medicine doctor. So I found one in my area. I went to her and she said, your digestive system isn't working. And that's the underlying cause of all your medical problems. So we worked on that and slowly I felt much better. And I am nearly healthy now. I'm Within the next year, I will be able to say I am healthy for the first time in my life. I've had this digestive problem since I was a child. What was the What was the author's name? Uh, Mark Hyman. He's How do you H H Y? I think it's H Y M A N. You know, it's fascinating because I just listened to. I'll even send you the link after, if you want, to a powerful podcast interview with a chiropractor who changes people's nutrition and saves their lives. Oh, I'd uh, love to hear that. Oh, and some of the stories. I mean, he began by saving the life of um, a young, a very, very young child. I mean, I wouldn't call her an infant, but she may have been like three or four years old. And the doctors told mom, we can't help your daughter take her home and she's going to die. That was it. They gave her that yeah. sentence. She found this guy. He changed her diet, and part of it was removing all grains and gluten. That girl is now a healthy high school student. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Oh, well, please. Yeah, it, it sure is. Anyway, so, okay, so you began. Now, I guess you have changed your diet over the years now, right? Yes. No, what kind of no. What kind of diet do you follow now? No gluten, no no grains. Actually, no grains of any kind. Um, let, let me ask you this. Do you eat rice? No, not anymore. Because, you know, the guy was explaining that a lot of foods that they claim are non-gluten really are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, okay, good. You do know. Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I kept, well, I checked my blood sugar after after I'd eat something. Does this work? No. <laughs> so I stopped. I, I just... So now I eat proteins, vegetables, and a little bit of fruit. I'm mm. really low on any kind of sugar. So I'll have really dark chocolate, like 86 to 90% cacao. That's one serving is five grams of sugar. And I eat a square. So that's usually around two. <laughs> so you began to feel better. Now, what kind of business did you build as you were starting to? put your life back together? I knew I wanted a, a portion of it to be online. So I built the website. I put the courses together. I had, after interviewing all those experts, I had a mountain of data, but nobody wants a, a course that's going to last six months. They want an answer quick and easy. So I compiled that, condensed it, and I, that, that'll be an ongoing process of condensing and compiling <laughs> But I put a, a six-week course online that takes you through all the different phases of elder care, the decisions you need to make, the discussions you need to have. If you're going to hire a vendor, here are the questions you need to ask, and there's there's a way to customize that. Here's here's the weird questions that you don't often hear, you never hear. If you look at data, at information online, it's, it's a mountain full. But I'm a little bit of a skeptic, and I kept wondering what's missing what isn't here that i really need to know or i'd have questions and i'd never get i'd never find the answer and those were controversial and people who are supplying information online are selling a product and they don't want you to know about that because it doesn't put them in a favorable light so those are the kind of things that are in my classes. They'll like what, what kind of product are you talking about? Um, so a home care company will not tell you that 
even even the best background check won't tell them if someone's ever been suspected of a crime. You have to be convicted. And that's, you know, for any background check, that's the fatal flaw. So, and if there isn't enough evidence to convict someone, they get away with it. And in the environment of nursing homes and, and aging people who don't process as well or aren't on the lookout and are trusting of their caregivers, those people can get away with things for a long time. Mm. So, you know, you're bringing someone into your home. You know the, the background check has been done, but is it because they've never been caught? So that's the, and we think we're safe. Oh, yeah, we, they did a background check. But having been in human resources, I knew that that was a, a challenge. <laughs> and so there's a, a, you always want to get a background check that includes fingerprints that you take, that they take at their location. So it's not a fingerprint uh, analysis that they brought from another employer. You want to do it yourself. Wow. No. So, mm, so the kind of work you do helps people to avoid nightmares and tragedies yeah it can you have to be and and you still even even after you have that kind of a a, a background check done you still want to be careful and keep an eye out because things change uh -huh. healthcare workers are not making a lot of money in my area they're maybe twelve dollars an hour fifteen at the high end that's not a lot of money to work to, to live on and yeah, they get into situations and suddenly things are disappearing or drugs are disappearing. I've heard all kinds of stories from my clients that they, they, they weren't watching well enough. They saw something was going on. There's all kinds of opportunities where things can just happen. And then there are people that you could trust with your wallet. You like to have those in the house. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What would you say were the most valuable lessons that you learned through that very difficult process of giving up the business, helping your parents, watching them pass away, and then rebuilding? What would, if you had to say, I look back now and these are several of the richest lessons, lessons maybe con that contributed to your growth? I kept my sense of humor. I partnered with everyone. So the home care workers, I partnered with them as much as I could. I had a real good partnership with the owner of the home care company that worked with us. And that really helped, actually helped us both. He was new to having a home care company. So I had the business skills that could help him, and he could help me with my parents. Mm -hmm. he, and my, he and my dad had a very close relationship. And when my dad wouldn't listen to me, which was most of the time, I'd call I'd call the home care owner and say, will you talk to him about this? And that helped that process really go much smoother. Even though it was difficult, it did help things get go smoother. So what I'm hearing is that part of it, as painful as it was, put you in a situation where it enriched some of your relationships in life. Yes. Yeah, that's very, very valuable and meaningful and very, very powerful stuff. Ruth, do you invest in formal personal development? Yes, online. Who, who are the mentors that you value the most? Um, lately, it's been Brandon Bouchard. Oh, yeah. He's got some real... Well, I like the way he looks at the world. <laughs> And I like the way he does business. It's honest. It's You want to make a difference in the world. It's certainly not all about money or shouldn't be. <laughs> and he he does personal development. He does business development. He does some coaching. He's just an all-round good guy to have on the team. <laughs> have you taken courses with him? Yes. Yeah. I've been to a couple of the seminars, and I've taken some online courses from him as well. Now his seminars are very high end, yes? They are very high end. They are very high energy. Well, I'm but it's about ten thousand dollars to go to one? Um I haven't gone to anything that expensive. The ones I've gone to are around two thousand, something like that. 
is mm -hmm. if you buy a course from him, you get a ticket to one of his events. Mm -hmm. Well, that's wonderful. Now, you must be familiar with the name Joe Polish. Yes. Have you been listening to any of his podcasts on I Love Marketing? I'm just familiar with him. Well, the reason I mention it is that Joe has the Genius Network and Brendan Bouchard is a member of the Genius Network. Oh. And so is Eben Pagan. So is Anthony Robbins. And if you start listening, remember I told you I was going to send you a podcast? Yeah. It's from there. And although the title is I Love Marketing, it's one of the most powerful personal development podcasts I have ever listened to in my life. The real question that he is passionate about is this. How can we elevate the global conversation to help people become better human beings? Oh, that's a good oh man. And yeah. so when he interviews our entrepreneurs, it's not just, can you teach us the secrets to making an extra $7 million? That will come up. But that is part of who are you as a human being and what are your core values? Great stuff. You'll love Real. it. Anybody else besides Brendan Bouchard that comes to mind? Uh, there is another one. I can't. His name has just flown out of my head. Also, a really kind soul. It'll come to me. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the network, too. Yeah, he probably is. Because <laughs> I, I haven't heard of any personal development person who's worth anything who's not somehow connected to the genius network what steps can a person take to protect their business if they face a situation like you did i was in the situation where my business had not grown to the point where i had stepped up to be just the leader i was still doing most of the hands-on consulting and all of the all of the sales if you find yourself in that situation, you really need to much more quickly reorganize, realign your organization so that you are the leader. You are not mainly providing a service or bringing in sales. That that company can grow and thrive without you for periods of weeks or months. And I would start that process as soon as possible but the people ask me, when's the clue? When's the, when do you know you absolutely have to do something? And I'd say when you when you're start helping your parents a little bit, but on a regular basis. Let me give you an example of what that might be. Probably won't even notice them until you're, unless you're paying attention. It's too heavy to take the laundry up the stairs to the bedrooms. I can't bring the water up the stairs into the house. It's those little kind of things that you do regularly that say things are going to continue to go down that path that they can't do anymore. And this is your clue to start getting your your business in in place so that it can operate without you. Hmm. And then there are the opportunities to just because you know this information that you start now, even though you're not at that point because things can happen quickly. My mom was taking care of my dad. She was, I mean, not of great health, but she was independent. She was cleaning the house, cooking. There were a few things that she couldn't do, but mostly she was doing pretty good. And I, got, I talked to her at noon. An hour later, I got a call from my dad saying, your mother has been taken to the emergency room. She had a heart attack. And I thought, I shouldn't have heart problems, so something else was going on. So I was 45 minutes away, went to the hospital. And it wasn't that she was having a heart attack. She had an infection that was pretty big that, that wasn't apparent. And her lungs were shutting down. Her blood pressure was bottoming out. And she was dying in front of me. An hour, an hour earlier, she said, I don't have time to talk today because we're having company from out of town. I have to clean the bathroom. That's how quickly things change. And we all know that things can change that quickly, but we don't think about it. Mm -hmm. She didn't oh. die. She 
went on a respirator for a while. It took about a month. And she came back. She lived another year or so after that. But you don't know how quickly things can change. A flu, a fall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking of uh, Michael Gerber, who wrote The E-Myth Revisited. Um, because Gerber would counsel people who are entrepreneurs and business owners to not even, it's not even for him about waiting till you think that there's an emergency, like a family emergency. Yeah. He teaches people how to not work in their business, but work on their business. Yes. So that their, the business becomes separate from them and can, if they wish, function beautifully without them. Yes. And that's an important one. Certainly in a situation like this, it's more than important. Yeah. And there are other situations where uh, a friend of mine said his best friend had a heart attack. And by the time he recovered, his business was in shambles. Mm. There's, You know, there are a hundred reasons why you should work on your business, not in it. Absolutely. Now, what are the realities that people don't want to face with aging parents? What we don't realize is that caring for aging parents can span 10 to 20 years. And this was a MetLife survey in 2010. But the average caregiver spends 20 hours a week devoted to caregiving. It's that same MetLife survey. That the stress of caregiving can cost a caregiver as much as 10 years. And that was a study by the University of California in 2004. There was a more recent study done by Ohio State. They came up with eight years. But you're looking at an eight to ten year impact on your life from stress of caregiving. Mm. From a financial perspective, MetLife did a survey in 2011 that said the conservative average cost for the average male or female caregiver aged 50 plus is $303,880 in lost wages. In, in how long a period of time? That, that, that wasn't clear. Oh, wow. That's still, that's a, an impressive number. Yeah. That 60% of caregivers adjust their, their work or give it up entirely. 47% of caregivers use all or most of their savings. Hmm. And you know your parents don't want this for you. No, you don't want this for yourself, but you don't know that this is coming when you start out. <laughs> and none of us want to think about our parents losing their faculties, losing their independence, and eventually dying. But we all know that's coming. Well, do we all know that that's coming? I mean, when I, I mean, we all know people will die, but do we all know that they're going to lose their faculties? No, they won't. And each of us will go differently. Right. But we don't, we don't want to think our, about our parents, anything except the strong, independent people we knew and raised us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that's a very good point. Ruth, where do you see yourself in five years? I hope changing the way people navigate elder care on a much larger audience. And then you shall. That's the goal you have in mind, the vision. I know you have the strength and determination to follow through on it. Thank you. Do you have a favorite book? I I have many favorites. I love books. <laughs> Good. But Talk. The one I'm reading now that is one I've had for a while, I'm reading it again, is Discovering Common Ground. It's a book that helps people come together to achieve innovations, empowerment, shared vision, and collaborate and create collaborative action. It's by Marvin Weisbrot. What's the last name? Weisbrot. W-E-I-S-B-R-O-D. B-O-R-D. B-O-R-G. D. Oh, D. Weisbord. Yes. Okay. Discovering common ground. Anything else? I always like the 80-20 principle because it's just a very practical book. Beautiful. How about a favorite quote? Uh, it's one my parents used to say, not quite as eloquently as the one I've written down. 
think for yourself. So do not mind anything that anyone tells you about anyone else. Judge everyone and everything for yourself. It's by Henry James. Oh, that's by Henry James. Interesting. Who would be the ideal person that should turn to you for um, whom you could help in your business, with your courses, with your awareness? Um, two different groups of people. So someone who has a small business who is still doing some of the work. I can help that person realign pretty quickly. Um, give them some tools to find strong people to take for their company and get them set up so that they're working on their business instead of in it. And also help that person then figure out how to more easily get through elder care. And anyone who has, who is in that situation where they have to take care of their parents and they'd want an easier journey and they want to do it online and at their own pace. Mm, wonderful. And how do people contact you? My website is www.myeldercarejourney.com. Myeldercarejourney.com. Do you have any final thoughts for our storytellers? Well, I've created a free download for your listeners called mm. The Five Phases of Elder Care. Mm. It's a one-page infographic that you can use as a checklist. And if they just go to the website, it's right Actually, there? I have a custom link, it's, oh. and I had to do it different from my website because it was getting too long. It's, it's at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash. Backslash. Change, change your story one. Change your story one. The number one or the word? The number one. Bit.ly forward slash. It's, is it www bit.ly? No, just bit.ly. Bitly exactly. forward slash change your story one. Yes. Thank you very much, Ruth. Now, are there any final thoughts for our storytellers? Know that elder care will change your life. Mm. And, and please do something about it before you're in the midst of it. And then it's, it's really hard to take that step back. Well, that is certainly a thought worth reflecting on. I want to thank you so much for your contribution today. Uh, I love the tone of your conversation, the way you were speaking. It, it, you, it communicates a person who's been there, who's risen above some difficult stuff, and is very grounded in her emotions. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I've learned a lot from you. I have a whole page full of notes of things I'm going to look up after we finish. Thank you, Ruth. I received that. Thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Ruth Ullman. Remember to pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Remember that at the website, there's a free gift waiting for you, a downloadable free ebook that I wrote for you called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Also remember to take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible. You can get a downloadable, totally free audiobook of your choice, choosing from more than 120,000 titles and get access for one entire month to all of Audible service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. In the past few podcasts, I made an offer, and it's been wonderful hearing from the action takers who took advantage of the 30-minute free consultation with me to help them become more compelling communicators. It was great meeting them, and it was great listening to the transformation so quickly in their communication. I'm making the offer again this week. For the first three of you who reach out to me, 
tell me that you heard the podcast, you will get a 30-minute free consultation. I guarantee you that during that time together, you can tell me what it is that you would like to communicate. We will get to the root of any areas of your communication that could be strengthened, and you will come out of there a more powerful, more compelling communicator. That's three people who reach out to me at Lewis at changeyourstorypodcast.com or at Lou's Club, L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. During the next week, of course, the focus this week was very specific. And you may be thinking, well, I don't really, I'm not faced with uh, the challenge of having to uh, take care of my parents or any other loved elders. It doesn't matter. Think of the larger lesson, the bigger picture that Ruth was presenting. And that lesson is this, that there are many things that we don't expect might happen to derail us, to damage our business, and perhaps really set us back in life. And it's wise to think about things that, not to worry about, but think about what could go wrong and how can I put something in place that will prevent that from happening, that will allow me to continue to move in the direction that I want to move in and grow the way that I intend to grow. And as you begin to think about that, use this question to help you. How can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.